This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and coming up, if you own a business, large or small, uh, our guest this hour will have some valuable information on how you can increase the value of your business, or if you're thinking of selling that business, how to do it right. We'll talk to the folks at Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. If you want to go see a Canucks game this fall, you may have to get immunized. That's the word from BC's top doctor who on Thursday said any public venue like a hockey arena, hockey team, or concert hall has her support in denying access to people not fully vaccinated against the virus if they choose to do so. Dr. Bonnie Henry says that indoor activities with crowds put people at higher risk. Some Vancouver businesses are already dealing with the impact of the ongoing Broadway subway project construction. Uh, The project is a 5.7 kilometer extension of the Millennium Skytrain line from BCC Clark Station to Broadway and Arbutus. The additional line will add six new underground stations along Broadway. The estimated cost about $2.83 billion with funding provided by the province, the federal government, and the city of Vancouver. You may have driven down Main Street on Broadway. That's been the site of some of the early construction. And Teresa Frizeo, owner of Wrath Art Supplies on Main Street, has seen a dramatic drop in sales since they started that construction back in April. She says it's meant no parking outside and barely any foot traffic. And while the bulk of the construction on Main Street has finished, crews still need to restore a median in the area. And uh, Neil Wiles, the executive director of the Mount Pleasant Business Improvement Association, has asked officials to delay that work for a year so local businesses have a chance to recover. The city of Vancouver has launched a marketing campaign aimed at keeping businesses stable along Broadway in the years to come. It includes advertisements from the city on various social media platforms. This new line is set to open way down the road in 2025. A man busted for driving more than 150 kilometers an hour on Highway 1 in West Vancouver has failed to have his excessive speeding conviction overturned in court. He blamed it all on the fact that he had a bright green Porsche and that because it was bright green, he was singled out by the cops. Just after 1 a.m. last October, Han Wong was pulled over by West Vancouver police when an officer spotted him driving between 150 and 160 Ks just east of the Caulfield exit. At his initial trial in North Van, he testified in his own defense that he uh, was in the passing lane. The driver of a white BMW approached from behind at a much faster speed, but Wang said he was unable to get back into the right lane because the slower moving vehicle had by then sped up. A third, quote, super fast vehicle then approached and Wang was able to get out of the way. It was then he was pulled over by a West Van constable and his vehicle was towed, he told the court, but none of the other speeding drivers were ticketed. And the judge found him guilty and levied a fine of $483. Wang appealed that conviction, arguing that he was the only one who got a ticket because his Porsche's uh, distinctive bright green color 
kind of had him singled out. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, do you own a business? No matter how small or large, our next guest will have some really valuable info for you. Up next on Vancouver Consumer, we'll talk to Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and if you own a business, small or large, my next guest can be an important part of how you deal with that business, whether it's brand new or maybe it's something that's been in your family for generations. And whether that business is just now starting to take off or it's something you're thinking about selling. With me now is Andrew J. Brown, business broker and mergers and acquisitions advisor with Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. They are online at pmabb.com. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Martin. Thanks for having me on the show. Great. Well, let's start uh, with just a sort of a general overview of Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. Uh, describe for people who might not know what a business broker is and what a business broker does. Great question. I think uh, most people are familiar uh, with real estate and you know, certainly real estate's a, a, a big uh, talking point in Canada these days. Well, you know, a business broker essentially is what that is, but for businesses. And as you would probably appreciate, selling a business is a bit more complicated than perhaps selling a piece of uh, real estate. So what we do is we work primarily with uh, business owners that are looking to retire or perhaps uh, divest from their business. And uh, firstly, we help them understand what the value is of their business. And then uh, once we um, have a discussion around that. If they're at a point where they're looking to to sell their business, and we ultimately help facilitate that transaction. Uh, we also work with buyers who are looking for good businesses to buy, and we uh, try to align what they're looking for to to sellers that are uh, potentially open to to selling their business. Right. Well, let, let's talk about business valuation because I would imagine. Uh, a business, no matter how small, like, like, first of all, we're talking, um, you deal with all sorts of sizes of business, including small businesses, right? Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, I would say our firm, uh, Pacific, we, we operate in that small to medium size business, uh, market. Uh, if you, if you look at the sizes of business that we work with, typically, um, anywhere between, you know, $1 million in annual revenue up to, to five is kind of where we do a lot of our business, uh, but certainly from time to time we work with businesses that have less than a million in revenue or perhaps uh, greater than five million in revenue. Right. And let's, let's talk about valuing those businesses because I, I would imagine it's kind of tricky. Uh, do you find most people undervalue their business or overvalue their business? Well, it's a great question. Um, you know, I would say the tendency uh, for 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 owners is to overvalue their business. Um, uh, I actually did a white paper on on this subject called the the endowment effect, where uh, there's just a natural tendency for for someone who owns something to put um, sort of an overvalue on things. Uh, there was a psychology study done uh, where they were doing this exercise on, I think it was coffee mugs. And they found that the, the people that own the coffee mug put this uh, huge value on the mugs, whereas the, the people looking to buy them, it was quite a bit lower. And that sort of uh, psychology translates to, to business owners as well. 
uh, from time to time. Uh, it's their it's their baby, uh, and as uh, someone likes to say sometimes in our office, uh, nobody has an ugly baby, and oftentimes <laughs> they, they don't want to hear the, the truth. You know, that being said, from time to time, you do have a, a business owner that just doesn't really have a true appreciation for the value of their business, and, you know, they might be operating in a sector that's in extremely high demand, but because they're heads down uh, in the business, they don't have an appreciation for the types of multiples uh, that type of business might be able to command. And uh, getting an understanding of what that value is would be tremendously beneficial for them. Uh, whether or not they're looking to, to sell today or they're just wanting to plan for their retirement, just understanding generally where they're at as far as the value of their business is just a valuable piece of information for them to have. Yeah, and I guess that's why it it pays to get in contact with a business broker like Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. Uh, because if, say, you're undervaluing uh, your business and you're looking to sell your business, retire maybe, um, obviously that's a big problem. But also on the other side, if you're overvaluing it, that can get in the way of a smooth transition to selling that business, I guess. Yeah, I would say absolutely. That would be the the number one reason why uh, transactions don't happen is that tendency to to overvalue and uh, having those uh, unrealistic expectations. Uh, it's a fundamental reason why when we do a business valuation, we have a pretty broken down process as far as five steps. But that first step is the valuation. We make that step separate from the other stages just so that we um, basically provide an objective uh, valuation on the business. So when we're presenting that number to the owner, uh, we don't want to be uh, influenced by any desire we have to sell the business. We want to be basically providing it objectively uh, to make sure that the number that's presented is, is the real number. And oftentimes, you know, the, the business owner is a bit disappointed uh, because it's much lower uh, than what they were thinking it would be, um, and then sometimes they're pleasantly surprised. But in the instance where they're disappointed, we would rather deal from a uh, you know a, a reality-based situation where this is just you know based on our experience and our understanding of the market dynamics, what this business is likely to sell for. And uh, you know the worst-case scenario is where you acquiesce to someone's. Um, uh, false expectations, and then you end up just wasting their time and then ultimately your own time by taking a business to market that's never going to sell at that price. Uh, you're much, much better off just dealing in a in a, uh, a reality-based world and uh, working with what the accurate uh, valuation is. Right. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, business broker and master's in acquisitions advisor at Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited, talking about what a business broker does. And I, I don't know if you, you like this comparison, but it's a little bit like a real estate agent and why people need someone on their side when they're buying and selling businesses uh, who knows what's going on, who understands the value of that business. Is that a, is that something that makes sense to be compared to? You, you know, we, we don't, we don't like love the comparison, but we're certainly not um, above the comparison in the sense that if, 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 if you look at it, we are representing you as a business owner, just as a real estate agent would be representing you as a homeowner. So certainly we're not uh, opposed to that comparison. I think that 
where the distinction just needs to be made is that um, there's a lot that goes into uh, selling a business, and oftentimes there's a lot that goes into to selling a home. Uh, certainly not stating that's not the case, but when you look at selling a business, oftentimes uh, there's many more uh, variables involved. Uh, certainly. Uh, confidentiality uh, is a big part of it, uh, and then once you ultimately value a business, it's um, it's a complicated scenario. Um, one of our value methodologies is based on the uh, the market approach, which is the principle of substitution, which is similar to real estate, meaning uh, you're comparing it to what other businesses have sold and at what multiple. However, when we value a business, there's a number of other approaches uh, that you uh, also take. So it's not just a market approach. We also take the income approach, uh, which is based on the principle of future benefit uh, using things like uh, discounted cash flow, uh, understanding what the present value is of the business based on future earnings. We also look at the, the cost approach. What would it take for someone to come into a business and start it from scratch to recognize the earnings that that owner is um, realizing today. So it's much different when it comes to valuing than it would be for, for, for real estate. And then ultimately, when you look at doing a transaction, it is quite a bit more complicated. As I mentioned, the confidentiality, but beyond that, any buyer is going to want to do some some very thorough due diligence, and it goes you know, above and beyond a simple house inspection. It, it, it comes down to understanding all the dynamics of a business making sure all permits are in place, all the documentation, all the tax information, uh, getting an understanding for customer concentration, uh, supply chain, those sorts of things. So although uh, we don't mind people using that as a (laughs) comparison just to get their heads wrapped around it, uh, at the end of the day, it is a much different thing. Yeah, it's clearly more complex. And uh, uh, I I guess... For somebody simple like me, it sort of makes sense. But no, I, I just as you you were explaining that, I was thinking about how much more complex a business would be than just a simple piece of real estate. Because when you're dealing with a business, um, you could be in the business of selling, say, um, you know, Betamax tapes or something, and obviously mm-hmm. the future of that might not look so good. Whereas you may be in the business of something else, which is just taking off. So I I would imagine there are many different elements of valuing a business and you have to be on top of it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you've you've alluded to uh, basically what we call industry tailwinds or headwinds. Obviously, Betamax tapes is uh, beyond just having headwinds. It's probably got uh, (laughs) uh, just a full on uh, hurricane in its face. But uh, Certainly, when you look at valuing businesses, that's a consideration that's made. Uh, and it, to use an example, uh, obviously, we've been uh, in uh, the, the pandemic here, and uh, a number of different industries uh, have experienced some major headwinds. And uh, obviously, retail, tourism, hospita- hospitality uh, is a good example of that, uh, where it's had a tremendously adverse effect on businesses, but there are a number of businesses that have experienced some tailwinds from it. Uh, Technology, uh, as you're probably aware, has experienced quite a a big boost uh, from the pandemic. Uh, When you look at Zoom, uh, which is the uh, virtual meeting uh, technology platform, or Shopify, which helps uh, small, medium businesses uh, uh, do e-commerce, they've they've experienced quite a bit of uh, 
uh, positive tailwinds from this. So it really does depend on the industry that you're that you're playing in. Uh, and when we do evaluation, that's obviously a big consideration uh, that we take as far as what's going on in that industry. Yeah, no, no kidding. First of all, and Betamax kind of shows my age because there's probably some people listening who have no idea what Betamax is. But but Zoom is a much better example because I. I had never heard of Zoom until the pandemic hit, and now I'm on Zoom all the time. So I guess those right. are the kind of businesses you want to be in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, technology, I think digital transformation uh, is is here to stay. Uh, I think big businesses have already uh, gotten their heads wrapped around that, but it is something that small, medium businesses um, are coming to understand as well. Um, when you look at e-commerce, um, you know, a lot of businesses, I'll give you an example. We, we had a, uh, a retail store owner uh, wanting us to do evaluation and ultimately sell uh, their, their, their company. Uh, they were actually able to pivot uh, during the pandemic to selling online uh, via Shopify, uh, actually experienced quite a bit of benefit from that and actually increased uh, their their margins as a result and was able to make um, lemonade out of lemons uh, from the COVID experience uh, just in the sense that they were able to um, uh, pivot and, and leverage technology uh, in that people uh, want to acquire things online these days. And ultimately, when you look at the businesses that are going to uh, survive and thrive in the new normal, it's the ability to to take advantage of uh, doing business uh, digital by default. Uh, and that's just something right. that we're going to see more and more of. Andrew J. Brown is a business broker and mergers acquisitions advisor with Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. And they are online at pmabb.com. And when we return on Vancouver Consumer, Andrew has some great advice if you own a business and uh, you'd like to increase the valuation of that business. We'll hear more from Andrew when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong and we're talking business with Andrew J. Brown. He's a business broker and mergers and acquisitions advisor with Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. You can find him online at pmabb.com pmab.com. You can also give them a call at 604-696-6111. And we've been talking about uh, businesses, uh, both large and small, and uh, valuation of business and how uh, Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited can help you value your business, uh, whether you're you're just kind of ramping up and you want to know what your business is worth, or maybe you're thinking of retiring and you want to, uh, you want to sell your business the best way possible, get the most for that business. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about COVID-19 and how COVID, because we talked earlier about how, how some businesses have been able to take advantage of it. Um, while other businesses obviously, uh, have been negatively affected by it. And I guess, um, it's hard to, to really know. And, and that's why you need an expert, uh, like Andrew J. Brown, because, because this is somewhat temporary, but there may be some permanent hangover effects from it. And I guess you can't really, um, count out a business just because in the short term they're suffering challenges. So I guess that gets pretty complicated too. 
it, it, it can. I mean, one thing to, to, to understand when you do a business valuation, it's, it's based on a fixed point in time. So let's say you, you are a business owner that's had some negative impact from COVID-19 and you, you want to get an evaluation done. Uh, obviously, we're going to be uh, looking at, you know, this past year and just how earnings have been impacted by COVID and those sorts of things. So there's, there's going to be an impact there for certain. Uh, but because it's based on a, at a fixed point in time, it's, it's not to say that that's going to be a permanent um, issue. Um, obviously, everyone is well aware of COVID-19 and there's uh, empathy on, on the buy side that, you know, this might have just been a blip, so to speak. Um, so it's really more or just as important to to look at kind of moving forward how are your earnings and cash flows going to be impacted by COVID-19 or whether or not there's going to be a permanent uh, impact and if it's not permanent um, then it just needs to be demonstrated as to why that is and then there needs to be uh, obviously some proof of that moving forward let's say you 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 get your valuation uh, performed and there is a negative impact, but you know that uh, things are turning around. Uh, perhaps then you, you want to, to monitor your financials and we would work with you on that and then get an update done a, a year from now. And that, you know, if things have improved as you've anticipated that they, they would, then obviously your valuation would improve as well. Right. And so the people who contact you, the businesses that contact you, uh, is it, is it, uh, I guess it's for a number of different reasons. It's not just people who want to sell their business, but a lot of people who maybe are just starting their business. Do they contact you? Uh, from time to time. I mean, I, I'd say that, um, you know, the primary reason someone would contact us would be, uh, with the intent to sell. Um, from time to time, though, there are some um, shareholder buyout situations where evaluation would be uh, beneficial uh, because you want to get an objective point of view on what the value of the business is before you do that uh, shareholder um, buyout, that sort of thing. Um, when it's someone just starting out their business, um, that would, I think from time to time, we've had had interest from that perspective. But from us, it's a, it's a, a difficult thing to uh, provide just because there is no historical performance there. Uh, and when you do a, a business valuation, oftentimes we ask for uh, five years of financials, but we would need at least three. And if someone's just starting out, obviously that's uh, uh, tough to produce. Uh, and then you're at a point where you're kind of speculating on the future. So those scenarios really aren't a good fit for us. It really is someone that's... Uh, you know, operating a going concern business and have been doing it for at least a few years. Right. We're talking to Andrew J. Brown, business broker and mergers and acquisitions advisor with Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. Uh, you can see him online at pmabb.com. Also give him a call 604-696-6111 and say I had a business you know, medium-sized business. Uh, what are some things that business owners uh, can do moving forward to to help their business valuation? What what kind of advice can you give them there? Well, I mean, I can start with some obvious ones. Uh, at the end of the day, buyers are, are looking uh, for earnings. Uh, so cash is king, so to speak. Uh, so improving cash flows is going to have the the biggest impact on improving the value of your business uh, so that's probably not uh, a huge surprise 
Um, but some of the ones that might not be as obvious to business owners, just because they're they're kind of uh, locked into the day-to-day operation, but do have an impact on the value and the uh, attractiveness of the business are things like um, key employees. Um, let's say you're a business owner and you're um, kind of deeply involved day-to-day. Um, owner dependency uh, isn't necessarily a good thing when you're looking to buy a, a business uh, because um, ultimately a buyer is going to want to be able to replace you. Uh, so right. your ability to develop key employees uh, to to make you redundant, uh, to make the business less uh, reliant on you uh, is going to improve the value of your business. Uh, so that's a big one. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of like... So, sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say, it's kind of like being a parent. You want to uh, make yourself obsolete so that at some point the kid can go off on their own and they don't need you anymore. Absolutely. I mean, and if you think about it, that's going to be attractive to a buyer. And then from your own perspective, I mean, you know what, if, if you do that, it's going to perhaps give you more freedom to do other things anyway. Uh, so the, there really is no downside to uh, developing key employees and making the business less reliant on you. So uh, if you did it with the intention of selling, uh, great. Uh, but if you did it and then turned out you didn't want to sell, you might find you know yourself with you know, an extra 10, 20 hours per week, and you're making just as much money. And, and then that, that'll give you an opportunity to, to look at doing other things anyway. Right, right, right. So continue on. Oh, certainly. So, you know, another, another thing to, to consider when, when you're looking at potentially selling your business is just overall uh, risk reduction. Uh, buyers are going to be influenced by their perceptions of the risks in the business. And uh, some of the things that buyers uh, get a little bit uh, nervous about are things like customer concentration. Uh, Let's say you're a business and over 90% of your business is relying on one customer. Uh, That could be a a bit of a red flag uh, for a buyer uh, because if that customer walks out the door, uh, they're left with nothing. And uh, when you're looking at buying a business, you want to see uh, a reduction in that customer concentration. You want to see that as spread out as much as possible. Um, also, supplier dependency. Um, COVID-19 has had a huge impact on supply chains and causing businesses to uh, diversify and regionalize more in that capacity. And if you're a business owner and you're depending on one particular supplier relationship to keep your costs at a certain level, um, that's just going to uh, increase the risk from the buyer's perspective. Uh, Things like competition, uh, environmental issues, legal challenges, those are things that uh, represent risk from a buyer's perspective. So as a business owner, you want to get your head wrapped around how you can reduce that as much as possible. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Uh, both both in the the supply side and also the customer side, because I get you like you say, if you have ninety percent of your business is one customer and that customer decides one day to go somewhere else, then uh, that's not a good thing. So no. so let's talk. Let's talk about the phrase I, I saw on your website, exit strategies, because it isn't as simple as just like you go, you value your business, and then you sell it. But there are different ways to to sell a business. And uh, let's talk about some of the exit strategies that, uh, that Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited can help you with. 
Yeah, certainly. So let's say we've been able to come to an understanding on the value of the business and a business owner is comfortable with that value. Ultimately, you're then uh, at a point where you're going to want to uh, go to market, uh, as, as, as we say. Uh, so when you go to market, um, ultimately, we're looking at uh, developing some marketing materials on behalf of the client, uh, sort of a one-page teaser that we would send that's anonymous in nature, and then uh, what we call a confidential information memorandum, or SIM, which is a much more comprehensive document which um, details uh, all the uh, uh, pertinent components of the business, like a SWOT analysis, all the financials, that sort of thing. Uh, and that's a, a document that's only shared with someone that's provided a non-disclosure. Uh, so when we, when we take a business to market, those are things that we uh, prepare. So as far as strategies, it really depends on the type of business you're running. Um, if it's a smaller business, perhaps it's going to be attractive to an individual buyer that's looking to essentially come in, buy a business, and operate it themselves. Uh, so in, in that instance, we would uh, perhaps be uh, open to just uh, putting it out via e-blast and uh, and that would just be the one pager that keeps it anonymous in nature, but ultimately uh, casting a very wide net uh, just to see what the interest is for, for, for that business. Um, conversely, let's say it's more of a strategic business, a little larger in nature, that's only a good fit for someone that's in that industry. Uh, the reason why it's important to have a strategy for that is ultimately you're going to want to uh, put a list together of um, potential buyers that are either competitors or someone that would be in a position to take advantage of uh, synergies uh, that are in uh, the industry. And from that perspective, you want to be a little bit uh, thoughtful about how you go to market. Uh, obviously, you want to make sure you're not approaching anyone that uh, perhaps the owner doesn't want you to approach, but let's say that they do. You really want to have a, a good understanding of the the multiple uh, that you're approaching them with um, in that oftentimes if it's a, a strategic acquisition, uh, they might be willing to uh, pay a higher multiple for that business because they're going to be able to leverage some economies of scale. And um, you want to be mindful of that in advance uh, so that you're not leaving uh, money on the table as, as a business owner. Right. And that's why you need an expert like Andrew J. Brown, business broker and mergers and acquisitions advisor, Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited online, pmabb.com. Uh, you can give them a call 604-696-6111. And in the, the minute or so that we have, um, how are you feeling about, uh, as we move into the fall, it seems like we're in this, you know, it's hanging on a little too long, but we're in the, the later stages of COVID. Are you feeling optimistic about, uh, about business in general as we move into the end of 2021? I am. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's obviously been a very um, strange time uh, and for the most part just has been very challenging for a number of people. But I do see a, a number of positive tailwinds uh, that are going to have a positive impact. Um, there's still very strong demand and lots of capital available to acquire quality businesses uh, interest rates are still at record lows, and that, that makes equity interest attractive to buyers. Um, the government has implemented relief measures that's, that's been helpful to, to businesses. So I do see a lot of good positive momentum moving forward. 
I think that uh, ultimately, though, that the the recovery here is is going to be slow and gradual. It's not going to be a switch that gets flipped. Uh, I think um, you know the Delta variant and all the things. Uh, and uncertainty that goes around that isn't going to go away. So the recovery is going to be slow and gradual, uh, but it's going to be positive in nature. Uh, and I think it just comes down to the, the businesses that are able to adapt to the new normal and be able to digitize and, uh, as I mentioned, diversify and regionalize their supply chains. Uh, those businesses are going to be in the best position to take advantage of it. Right. Take advantage of the tailwinds. Well, Andrew, uh, thank you so much for talking to us. It's a pleasure, Martin. Thanks for having me. Great. Andrew J. Brown, business broker and mergers and acquisitions advisor with Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. Go online at pmabb.com or give them a call at 604-696-6111. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back, you ever wonder what the typical cannabis consumer is like? The results of a new survey may surprise you. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer and a big thanks to Andrew J. Brown, business broker and mergers and acquisitions advisor with Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. And if you have a business, whether you're thinking about selling it or you're just getting started, uh, go to their website at pmabb.com, pmabb.com. And speaking of consumers, who are today's weed consumers now that cannabis and cannabis products are now legal here in BC and throughout much of North America? If you're picturing a Spicoli kind of guy from fast times at Ridgemont High, you'd be wrong. According to a new study of 5,000 adult cannabis users, the study shows the typical weed consumer is successful, motivated, and health conscious. According to the study, Cannabis consumers are highly educated, 54% have a college degree or higher, and more are likely to participate in the, in the, uh, the economy overall. Ross Lipson, co-founder and CEO of Dutchy, a cannabis tech company that conducted the survey, says it's time to set the record straight once and for all. Negative stigmas around cannabis, not to mention over-criminalization, must be a thing of the past. Police uh, people, rather, use cannabis to relax and as a crucial element of a health and wellness routine, and we should encourage people to share the benefits cannabis brings for them. That's a quote from Ross Lipson. The survey also says cannabis consumers are also predominantly female, especially as conversations about women's health expand to include using cannabis for relief from things like menstrual pain and to help with sleep or stress. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Also, don't forget, after being closed for nearly a year and a half, the Vancouver Aquarium is finally opening its doors on Monday. They closed due to some pretty severe financial losses during the pandemic last September, but they're finally opening on Monday. Uh, It was sold in April. You might have read about this to a U.S. company, OceanWise Conservation Association. Uh, They are the company uh, that also owns the theme park Dollywood and the Harlem Globetrotters franchise. And now they own the Vancouver Aquarium. And while it opens to the public on Monday, Aquarium members will have exclusive access over this weekend. Uh, The Aquarium opens with a new 4D theater experience featuring a new film called Octopus, 
from the critically acclaimed BBC series, Blue Planet. And that's it for Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Uh, We'll be here every Saturday, two to four o'clock. And coming up next, it's global news on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.